This is the Daily Signal podcast for Friday, June 17th. I'm Kate Trinko. And I'm Doug Blair. Republican Myra Flores made history on Tuesday by winning a South Texas congressional seat that had been occupied by Democrats for more than 100 years. The district, which is populated by Latinos on the southern border, went definitively for Biden in the 2020 presidential election. So how did Flores win? Cesar Ibarra, vice president of policy at FreedomWorks, joins the show to discuss the increasing shift of Latino voters from the Democrat Party to the GOP and what this means for future elections. But before we get to Doug's conversation, let's hit our top news stories of the day. Once again, apprehensions on the southern border are rising. In May, there were 2,200,000 border apprehensions outside of official ports of entry. According to CBS News, that's a new record for Border Patrol. Previously, 220,000 apprehensions had been the record, set in March of 2000. Top House Republican Kevin McCarthy tweeted, Our border is wide open and the Democrats in power are doing nothing to stop the crisis. Former Acting Homeland Security Secretary Chad Wolf tweeted, Biden's border crisis is unsustainable. The roughly one million illegal aliens allowed into the U.S. this fiscal year is the equivalent of the 10th largest U.S. city. This is burdening schools, hospitals, and all other taxpayer-funded resources. Buying a home just got a lot more expensive. Following a decision by Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell to increase interest rates by 75 basis points in order to fight inflation, Fox Business reported the average 30-year mortgage rate rose to 5.78%, the highest level since 2008. 15-year mortgages rose to 4.81%. MarketWatch reported that this rise in mortgage rates is affecting consumer behavior already. According to a recent survey of 900 realtors by real estate tech startup Homelite, Almost 50% of home buyers are choosing to wait around 6 to 12 months before entering the market again. A group of conservative leaders has written a letter to Attorney General Merrick Garland and Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights Kristen Clark about the violence against crisis pregnancy centers and churches after the leak of the Dobbs draft, which suggested that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. The conservative leaders write, Under 18 U.S. Code 247, It is the duty of the attorney general to investigate and prosecute, when necessary for substantial justice, those who do damage to religious property or participate in the obstruction of persons in the free exercise of religious beliefs. We appreciate that the Federal Bureau of Investigation has been assisting at least one affected religious organization on this matter, and we understand through media reports that the FBI is at least investigating the firebombing in Madison. However, the severity of the situation calls for your leadership. This continued assault on religious and pro-life groups because of their beliefs is a manifest injustice that requires prompt, comprehensive, and public response. We call on you to publicly condemn these unlawful attacks, to commit to vigorous efforts to prevent them, and to investigate and prosecute them, and to proactively engage with the affected faith communities to ensure their concerns and security needs are being met. Signatories of the letter include Catholic Vote President Brian Birch, Dr. Ben Carson, Susan B. Anthony, Pro-Life America President Marjorie Dannenfelser, and Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council. Heritage Foundation President Kevin Roberts and Heritage Action for America Executive Director Jessica Anderson also signed the letter. 
The Daily Signal, of course, is the news outlet of the Heritage Foundation. That's all for headlines. Now stay tuned for my conversation with Cesar Ibarra as we discuss Myra Flores's victory in Southern Texas and what it means for Latinos and the GOP. As conservatives, sometimes it feels like we're constantly on defense against bad ideas, bad philosophy, revisionist history, junk science, and divisive politics. But here's something I've come to understand. When faced with bad ideas, it's not enough to just defend. If we want to save this country, then it's time to go on offense. Conservative principles are ideas that work. Individual responsibility, strong local communities, and belief in the American dream. As a former college professor and current president of the Heritage Foundation, my life's mission is to learn, educate, and take action. My podcast, The Kevin Roberts Show, is my opportunity to share that journey with you. I'll be diving into the critical issues that plague our nation, having deep conversations with high-profile guests, some of whom may surprise you. And I want to ensure freedom for the next generation. Find The Kevin Roberts Show wherever you get your podcasts. My guest today is Cesar Ibarra, Vice President of Policy at FreedomWorks. Cesar, welcome back to the show. Great to be back at the Heritage Foundation. Of course. Well, we're always happy to have you. Let's talk about that election uh, in South Texas. So Republican Myra Flores just won a massive victory in a South Texas district that hasn't elected a Republican in more than 100 years and that went for President Biden back in the 2020 election. So how did we get here? How did this shift happen? Yeah, I think, you know, this this speaks to Ronald Reagan's message of uh, Hispanics are Republican. They just don't know it yet. And I think since then, Republicans have been doing a better job at uh, at explaining the Republican Party platform to Hispanic voters. And this has been amplified just by the terrible job that President Biden and the congressional Democrats have been doing uh, with the economy, right? We have high-rising inflation. The border is in a state of disaster. Um, and if you look at the poll, uh, a recent poll just came out, and they polled people in Texas 34 district on what the biggest issues were for them. Number one, the border. Number two, inflation. Guess what? The Democrats did not have a plan to get that fixed, which is how Myra Flores was able to promote her message of what she was for. And she got across the finish line with 51%. I mean, we would have been happy if she would have gone to to a runoff mm. in, in August, but she crushed it and got that 51% and is going to be uh, a U.S. congresswoman Next week, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's awesome. <laughs> well, let's talk about Flores herself. What, can you give us a profile on Flores? What's she yeah. like? Is she a moderate? Is she pretty conservative? She, she's pretty conservative. I wouldn't say she's a moderate. She, uh, you know, she's a. She came to America when she was six years old through the legal way. Um, you know, grew up in South Texas. Her husband is a border patrol agent, so she mm-hmm. has some skin in the game when it comes to how our border patrol agents are being treated by this administration. She has some skin in the game uh, in living in a border town in a border community where her constituents are living the day-to-day uh, you know, flaws of, of, of the border insecurity that is being perpetuated by the Biden administration. So um, I wouldn't call her a moderate. I would say she's strong conservative. I mean, if you look at her yard signs, they said, Dios, familia, patria, God, family, country. Mm-hmm. Those three things are super conservative. And again, I was talking to some of my friends today who were sending me stories about Myra Flores. And I said, this is exactly when I tell you guys that Hispanics are conservative. This is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about someone like Myra Flores. Mm-hmm. 
right? And she, she spread that message, and I think she speaks on behalf of all Hispanics when they talk about God, family, country. Mm-hmm. Given that there was such a radical shift, obviously this district, like we said, hadn't elected a Republican in over 100 years, and it still went for President Biden just two years ago. Is this something where we're seeing Latinos shift based on their own policy preferences changing, or is it based on the parties like the Democrats and the Republicans I would changing? say it's more on policy. Um, I would say it's more on policy because, again, right, when you start talking about inflation and border insecurity, you talk about, well, what's costing this? It's policy. Mm -hmm. And it's policy that is being driven by Democrats and, frankly, by uh, squishy Republicans, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we know that that, uh, Hispanics identify more as conservative than as Republican or Democrat. Um, so, so that 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 that's what I would say. It's 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 they're starting to realize that their policy preferences are best aligned with Republican candidates, and that's something that that is being demonstrated in the polls that we've done at FreedomWorks through mm-hmm. our Hispanic Grassroots Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was and it was definitely validated in in Midas race. Now, you mentioned you've done some polling data about this. Are we seeing this race as a one time, a one off? Are we seeing this pattern emerge? In other elections, yeah, I mean, you know, we have we, you know you have Adam Laxalt in Nevada. I mean, he's yeah, I've been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, trending topics of him, you know, kind of doing well with uh, with Hispanic voters out in Nevada. Um, hopefully, we can perform well in Arizona. You know, in the polling that we've done, it seems like Hispanics down in in the Tucson area are not as strong as as folks in Florida mm-hmm. or in Texas or maybe Nevada. So there's still some work to do. You know, this is not something for us to puff our chest and say we're there. Mm-hmm. I just think Mida Flores is a is a good case study of what what happens when we do the right kind of messaging and and campaign investing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I th- but I, but I, I just think that. That, um, it, it's it's not a it's not going to happen in two years and four years. This is a ten year, twenty year project where mm-hmm. we're we have to continue to continue spreading our message and not get complacent. Well, let's look at that big picture. You mentioned that this is a 10, 20 year project. What does that look like in the uh, in the sort of aftermath of this election? How does this election impact that ten to twenty year plan? Well, so for one, so let's start. Let's just. Go back to Maida Flores a little bit. She, now she's going to be running. So she won a D plus four district. We, now she's going to be running in a new district in November, which is D plus 15. Right. Um, so, you know, we, we, with, with the national environment of how politics are, we still believe that there may be a shot for Maida Flores to to pull off the big upset. Mm-hmm. Right. But but I think we just we just cannot get complacent. We need right. to double down and go harder than we did in, in this past race. Um, but broadly speaking, I think, you know, we just got to, you know, we, it's going to take groups, local, national, regional, to s- continue spreading this message, continue investing in, in, in not, not only polling, but, but outreach to the Hispanic community. If you look at what the RNC has been doing in setting up their local offices for, for communities and in Hispanic districts and black districts and, and just every minority demographic generally. Um, and, and, and I don't want to, f- you know, I don't, I don't want our efforts to be solely focused on Hispanics, mm-hmm. because when you look at, at Mus- when you look at Middle Eastern folks, Muslims, when you look at, you know, at people that come from African countries, when you look at uh, Asian people from Asian countries, they are also pretty conservative. Right. So this is not only a Hispanic opportunity, this is an opportunity just to, to win with minorities across the board, mm-hmm. which has which has been a demographic that has been, uh, you know, where the Democrats have had a stronghold on, and now they're losing that. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't know if you read a, a political story today, right. but, but, you know, Vicente Gonzalez, who's the incumbent running against Mayor Flores, was fuming at the Republican leadership for literally forgetting 
You mean the Democratic leadership? The Democratic yeah, leader, yeah. yeah, for forgetting about Texas 34, for forgetting about the quote-unquote brown people mm-hmm. in South Texas. I mean, it's 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 now now they're starting to notice that Republicans are on the up and up in a positive direction with Hispanics. Mm-hmm. So that's the type of lesson that we're learning from this election that the GOP should start reaching out to these communities more. Are there any other lessons that they took from this? That our poli- that that the, our policy platform is resonating and that our policy is right. I think we just got to double down on it. You know, we don't need to shy away. You know, we got to realize that these folks are conservative and we need to, we need to, we just, when you have trust and when you are a true believer, you have more convic- conviction in how your message penetrates more with these communities when you're not being wishy-washy and mm. sort of talking like moderates do with like, well, I support this, but no, 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 we don't need to go, but mm. we, we need to, we need to be firm in our beliefs and the people will come because good policy is good politics. Mm. And what, and this is, and this is what happened with Myra Flores. It seems like in Myra Flores's case, going hard on conservative principles does make sense. Is that a sort of across the board rule? Do, is there a, as the left will always say, sort of like these minority groups will vote as a monolith. Is that the case that we can sort of say, generally speaking, Latinos tend to vote for more conservative, unapologetically so I, candidates? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's monolithic because look at California. Mm. I mean, 40 percent Hispanic and they vote like 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 libs. It yeah. is what it is. Right. But but if you were to go out in those communities, you know, I, I don't have any data or evidence to show this, but I would love for for the movement to start investing in some polling out in in California to see how they feel about these issues mm. and, and start doing some in-depth studies. Because you have to remember, California has produced two Republican presidents, Nixon and Reagan. Right. Imagine if we can go back and do that. Definitely. You know, there, 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 there's a there's a wave there. A lot of people are fleeing California. People in California are upset about the homeless situation. They're upset about high gas prices, high grocery prices. And when I tell well, why, why are you complaining? This is the government you voted for. You voted for taxes. You voted for all these things that Gavin Newsom is doing. Now you get to live with them. You can do something about it. You can vote Republican in the next election mm-hmm. and see if there's a change. So, um, but yeah, so it's not, a, so, so back to your question, it's not a, it's not a monolithic vote. I think it's regional, but that's my point. Mm-hmm. We have to start going community by community by community because people down in, Dor- in Doral in, in Miami are going to be completely different than people out in San Diego, California mm-hmm. or in the San Fernando Valley and by the Los Angeles area. Sure. So so it's not a monolithic. We just got to go region by region. Now, something that you've mentioned previously is the uh, the impact that the Border Patrol had on this particular election. There was obviously uh, Flores's husband works for the Border Patrol. You retweeted something from Christina Peshaw, who does comms for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. She said, Myra Flores's husband is serving our country as a Border Patrol officer. Border Patrol is a major employer in South Texas. Most U.S. Border Patrol agents are Hispanic. Democrats in the Biden administration have attacked these brave men and women relentlessly Time's up. Is there a consensus view amongst Latinos on immigration, or at least maybe in this particular region, that really doesn't square with how the corporate media and the left have portrayed the view of immigration amongst Latinos? Yeah. Um, you know, with border patrol agents, that's 100 percent right. You know, they you know, if, if, if we, when, you know, if you're if you're a border town kid like I am, you know, you cross the border every day and it's always Hispanics. It's always, you know, Asian folks kind of doing the, the visa checking and all of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Democrats have been demonizing um, border patrol agents. You saw what happened when when, you know, now they're going to be punishing the border patrol agents and horses who allegedly whipped uh, people who were coming into the country illegally in the first place. Right. So. 
So it, it, it's not good politics for 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 AOC and the squad and the Democrats and the media, frankly, to start you know going after uh, defunding ICE, defunding CBP, defunding mm-hmm. Border Patrol. It's 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 why you have Vicente Gonzalez fuming at the Democratic Party leadership for literally abandoning abandoning the Border Patrol agents, mm-hmm. right? And 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 you know what's so funny? If you look at the Congressional Hispanic Caucus Twitter account, they have a hashtag that says, they always use a hashtag called No Son Olvidados. Mm-hmm. You are not forgotten speaking to the illegal immigrants. You know who they have forgotten about? The legal immigrants. They've forgotten <laughs> about the Border Patrol agents. They've forgotten about the interest of the Hispanic people, of Hispanic voters, of Americans, mm-hmm who got them there in the first place. So Democrats are more concerned with people who are in, who are, are more concerned with Hispanics who are here illegally mm-hmm. than with voters and taxpayers. Mm-hmm. So we did discuss how there isn't a monolithic sort of position amongst Latinos on these topics. But in this particular region, South Texas, how much does the border play into their calculus when they go to vote? I mean, the border is everything. And as I mentioned uh, polling the, the most recent polling down in that district shows that 38 percent believe or mostly believe that um, that the border and immigration issues were at the top of mind, followed by inflation. Now, inflation is crushing everyone. Now, when immigration and border security is above that, you know, it's bad. Mm-hmm. And why is it bad? Because the caravans of people are literally being parked in the Rio Grande Valley, in their communities, in their districts they are being released into their community. Any reasonable person is going to say, whoa, 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 what's going on here? It's not the people. It's just that we didn't sign up for this. If we're going to live in a peaceful community, we got to abide by the rule of law. There, We have mm-hmm. rule. We have a government. We have rules. We have laws for a reason. So, but, so yeah, I mean, the border and immigration issue really plays a big part for people down in South Texas, mm-hmm. 100%. You mentioned that Vicente Gonzalez is really fuming at Democratic leadership for losing this election. How are they framing this loss? Are they framing it as that they uh, they screwed up or are they saying that it was, you know, the racist Republican? How are they framing it? Well, what the Democratic Party leadership is saying is, well, you know, it's a D plus four. We knew with the national environment that we were going to lose anyway. So, eh, you know, Myra Flores can be a congresswoman for a couple months. We'll get it back in November. <laughs> That's the attitude that they took. That's how much they, they don't care about uh, that district. And I was looking at some of the ads, the negative ads that, that the Pelosi super PAC was running against Myra Flores, and it was on J6. It's like, oh, my gosh, like you're literally trying to convince people that Myra Flores is an insurrectionist that somehow yeah. had something to do with the riot on Capitol Hill on January 6th. And it's like these people just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, like, part of me wants to go and tell my like, guys, like, it, it's not that hard. You know, like you don't have to be losing this hard. Yeah. But you know what? Their loss is our win. And we just got to, like I said, continue spreading our message and be positive more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, more, in a more serious note, we have to tell Hispanics what we're for, not what the Democrats are for. Like mm-hmm. we have to promote how good our policies are, not how bad their policies are. Right. Again, this has to be a positive message because – Generally speaking, Hispanics nationally favor Democrat politicians, Mm -hmm. but they favor conservative policies. Mm -hmm. Let's focus on the positive. Speaking of messaging and things that seem to pop up a lot when we talk about this particular race, uh, a lot of outlets have noted that Flores is a Mexican-born congresswoman. She's the first, I believe, Mexican-born congresswoman to enter Congress in, in American history. How do we celebrate the fact that that is a first and that's a positive without falling into the identity politics trap that the left always does? I mean, it's good to acknowledge it, you know. And again, right, because the important thing to highlight here is Mexican immigrants are Democrat. 
No. Right. That's why we have to make it a point, because the, because the only people that can be immigrants and in Congress have to be Democrats. That's not the case, and Myra Flores is breaking through that. So this is, this is the exciting part, and this is what we should be celebrating. It's that it doesn't matter whether you're Hispanic, whether you're Asian, whether you're black— you are a conservative first. You Your vote matters more than who you are and where you came from. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to get too bogged down on the on the identity politics. Let's win it. Let's celebrate it. Let's make it a point, as they say, to own the libs. But, <laughs> um, but no, it, it's, it's, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say we need to get bogged down in that. Um, we celebrate it for a day and just make sure that when Myra Flores gets into office, that f- groups like Freedom Works, like Heritage, mm-hmm. um, go out and ensure that she votes the right way and is well-educated on the policies because we know there are people in Congress who are going to try to sway her to uh, potentially be a non-conservative or against mm-hmm. heritage and freedom works values. So um, that this is when the real work begins to ensure that uh, what she campaigned on um, is is uh, is turned into good votes. Mm-hmm. As one final question, we've seen obviously this victory in South Texas. We've seen, as you've discussed, that there are lots of different minority groups who are starting to shift over to the GOP. How does the GOP keep this momentum going? So, like I mentioned, the party's doing a good job at at sort of putting this infrastructure together in 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 different inner cities, um, and that's what like groups like FreedomWorks is doing through our Hispanic Grassroots Alliance. We're going to the inner cities like San Antonio and and in Arizona, down in Tucson. We have to go to the unfriendly neighborhoods, as they mm-hmm. say. Um, you know, we 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 we've been talking to to some you know local candidates uh, who are running in like in, down in South Phoenix, overwhelmingly. Hispanic Democratic strongholds, but they're conservative, but they're still going out there and they're spreading their message. They're knocking doors. They're probably going to lose. They're probably going to lose again in four years, but you're planting seeds. Mm. And that's what we have to do. Again, you know, big changes don't happen in two years and four years. It's a long, you got to, we got to look at the long game. Mm. And that's what happens in politics too often is we get so bogged down in, in winning the day and winning the week that we forget about where we want to be in 2025, mm. where we want to be in 2020, uh, in, in 2020, 2030. A long I'm time sorry. from now. <laughs> <laughs> a long time from now. Uh, but you get my point. Right, right. You get my point. So, so yeah, let's let's plan the long term. We're doing good work now. Mm. Let's just continue doing what we're doing, investing, doing research. If something is going wrong, let's learn from it and pivot. Mm. You know, like let's not, you know. Let's let's just keep campaigning and right. keep keep educating. Possible to lose the battle, but to win the war. That's exactly right. Okay, that was Cesar Ibarra, Vice President of Policy at FreedomWorks. Cesar, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Doug. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And please leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and please encourage others to subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We will be taking Juneteenth off on Monday. So happy Father's Day, and we'll be back with you all on Tuesday. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Doug Blair. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.